This is the clown prince of true crime. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to my first episode, my very first podcast, you could say. Today, we'll be talking about the Lake Bodum murders that happened in Finland. It hap- the lake is near uh, Espo, which is near Helsinki. This is one of the most famous unsolved murders in Finland, and it happened on June 5th, 1960. The victims were 15-year-old females, Milo Irmeli Bjorklund and Anja Dolikki, and 18-year-old males, Seppo Antare Boisman and Neil Niels Gustafsson. Also, sorry if I pronounced the names wrong. My my Finnish isn't exactly brilliant, isn't it? and I'm a Swedish. So, on Saturday the 4th of June, the group decided to go camping along the shore of Lake Bodum near the city of Espoo. Sometime between 4 and 6 a.m. during the early hours of Sunday, June 5th, 1960, Maggie Bjorklund and Boisman were all stabbed and bludgeoned to death by an unknown assailant. Gustafsson, the only survivor of the group, had fractured facial bones. Like, why you gotta mess up the facial bones, mate? Like, trying to make the man ugly? I don't know. Around 6am, a group of boys birdwatching nearby had seen the tent collapse and the blonde man walk away from the site. But despite the, this, the bodies weren't discovered for another five hours by a carpenter named Esco, who quickly alerted the police who showed up at noon. Uh, yeah, so, the attack was strange as the attacker didn't enter the tent but attacked from the outside with a knife and an unidentified blunt object, possibly a rock. I mean, you got to find, like, loads of, like, rocks and sticks and shit in a forest, don't you? Especially, like, right next to, like, a lake. So, I mean... Yeah, loads of murder weapons there. Don't get any ideas! The murder weapons have not, no, have not been located to this day. The killer took several items, including keys to the group's motorbikes, which were untouched, which... Detectives find puzzling, to say the least. I also find it puzzling because, I mean, motorbikes. Gustafsson's shoes were partially hidden about 500 metres from the campsite. Like, I mean, why that far from the campsite? And why were they only partially hidden? Like, bruh. Whoever the murderer was, was probably in a rush to try and hunt, hide them and get the fuck out of there. So that's probably why they were po- partially hidden. <clears throat> that's my theory, anyway. Uh, so, you know, the first officers who arrived on the scene didn't record anything of importance, if anything at all. And then block off the area, allowing more officers arriving on the scene to trample possibly important clues like 
footsteps, broken sticks, that kind of stuff, you know. So basically, they just, like, fucked up. And then they did another major mistake that made things worse when they called on local soldiers to help look for the missing items, which in the end were never found. (sighs) Poor motorbikes will never be used again. Uh, Gustafsson's girlfriend, who I don't know which one was, by the way, don't ask me, was undressed from the waist down on top of the tents and suffered the most injuries as she was stabbed the most, even after death. Yeah, that kind of makes me think as a form of revenge. Don't you? Because, like, if you're going to keep stabbing someone, even after death, and also, like, undress them at some point during that, like before or after, you're fucked up, mate. And it's probably revenge. Gustafsson <sighs> was also found on top of the tent next to his former girlfriend. I say former because she's dead. He was lucky to be barely alive when found. Uh, so let's talk about suspects a bit, shall we? Uh, there has been many suspects throughout the Fuck me. Throughout the case, including Gustafsson in 2004 when he was put on trial, which is what we're going to talk about in a bit. So there was this man named Voldemar who was a suspect because he was previously hostile to campers in the past. So you know, police are like, okay, this dude is hostile to campers. Did he do this? They were sceptical of his alibi as they thought him disturbed. Like, he would cut down tents, throw rocks at people on the streets, that kind of stuff. Like, that guy honestly needs to chill because, like, what the hell are you doing throwing rocks at people on the street? Like, like, apparently he worked in, like, had a, as a kiosk attendant or something. Like, so I know, like, he has to deal with, like, a lot of shitty people, but, like, throwing looks at people for, like, no reason is just fucked up. <sighs> there, there was a few witnesses saying they saw him leave the campsite, but were too afraid of him to call the police. Because, like, I mean, like, that's how he looks at people. Of course they're afraid of him. Probably. About nine years after the murder case, he was found dead in the same lake. The police suspected it was suicide and didn't look into it further. Because the way they found his body, like, it was very suicidal looking. But, who knows. The police didn't take any DNA tests at the time of the murder. And now, it's several decades too late to do so. Like, seriously, who hired these officers that they don't take any kind of clues at any point in this entire case, like, what the fuck? Seriously? They also ignored several important clues due to the language barriers between Finnish and Swedish, as previously unknown to the public until book was released on the case. Like, I know this was the 60s, but I mean, how much of a lazy kind do you have to be to not try and sort this stuff out? Just like, 
Oh yeah, don't worry about these clues. Oh, I don't understand. It doesn't matter anyway. Ugh, idiots! I swear to God. So this next suspect is called Hans Asman, which is a funny name to me because Asman, you got them clues, take him, bro. Okay, so the public accused Asman of the murders, but. Never taken seriously by the police as he had an alibi for the night of the Berlin murders. And he was supposedly in Germany for another murder he was accused of. On the night slash morning of the Berlin murders, he showed up in Helsinki at some hospital with bloody clothes. Which, if you ask me, is highly sus. Like, no one just shows up at a hospital with bloody clothes. Just for, like, no reason. Like, either you're attacked... Or you just committed several murders. Alright. Alright, so I previously mentioned that Gustafsson was put on trial. So we're going to talk about that now. So hold on to your boots, shoes and whatever. So he was arrested in 2004. The police... uh, No, not police. The public... Didn't even think he was a suspect in the case at any time. Almost a year later, the National Bureau of Investigation declares the case solved due to new forensic data found on Gustafsson's shoes. So, so yay for science. The blood was laced with alcohol and, gone, and he had gone into a fight with the other boy at the campsite, leading... Gustafsson getting his jaw broken and him then murdering a group. Like, this is um, a theory anyway. His lawyers tried to say there was no way he could kill all three teenagers by himself with the injuries they found him with and suspected there was another party involved entirely. People argued that his shoes had the victim's blood on them and were poorly hidden nearby and the boy was found barefoot atop the tents. This went back and forth a bit as people tried to argue Gustafsson gave himself the injuries he was found with while the others say he's a victim as well. So in late 2005, I think it was like October, he was acquitted of all charges due to inconclusive data and lack of motive for the murders. He was given a 40th... 5,000 years by the state of Finland for the mental suffering caused by the long remand time, but was refused to, was refused permission to see Finnish news, oh god I just can't talk today can I, hey? He was refused permission to see Finnish newspapers for defamation. I'm gonna try and work out a theory here, and if you've got your own theories, feel free to message me. If you are an anchor, that is. So, like, my theory is that it was probably Gustafsson who just did the murders out of rage, and then when he realised what he had done, he tried to hide his shoes out of panic, and then, like, you know, gave himself the injuries to try and make himself look like a victim, and, you know, then laid atop the tents next to his girlfriend. Like, I mean, that's kind of fucked up. Like, your dead girlfriend's there, like, half na- like half naked, 
and you're just gonna lie there whilst just like bruh like honestly it does seem like he could have done it but also it seems like what was his name again Valdemar could have done it because he was volatile and hated campers and all that so like like a blunt weapon could have also been from him because like he did like throwing rocks at people on the street so he it's likely he could have done it as he was an older man so he probably had like size on the kids and everything so like you know like like slash the tents bash them over the head all that so it's probably him and that's probably why he uh committed suicide nine years later because the guilt was eating at him like he felt like he was going to get caught sooner or later so that's why he killed himself those are my theories uh, like I said, if you want to send me theories, go ahead and message me on Anchor. Uh, yeah, so that's everything I got for today. And uh, I'll see you next time, in a week or so, for my next case. And always remember, stay insane!